Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I know we were just here, but we are back. We're having a double header, and we had to because when you have uh, two fantastic authors like we are able talk to today you just cannot not have this conversation so welcome to the author sports where every great conversation happens and it happens because we trusted brendan and bombsy at master talk to show us the power of effective communication we also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from third day coffee seguin a christ-centered veteran-owned coffee company today on the show we have harrison taylor how are you doing harrison I'm doing great, CJ. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I am super excited. I was telling you a little bit before the show. Well, a lot, actually, because I was like rambling. Not at all. all. I get super excited to talk to people, especially when I look at their covers, read about their books, and I'm like, oh, that's one that has to be on my shelf, and I got to read it. So um, I want to give you guys a little bit about Harrison so you can get as excited as me. So Harrison Taylor is the author of the breakout novel, Those Who Hunt Wolves. Now, let me tell you, when you see the book cover, you got to go and check it out. And I'm going to put the link to the um, website here later, and you're going to hear about it. But when you see the cover, it's one of those that you just want to touch it and you want to have it on your shelf. And we were talking about that before we went live. But he started his career writing screenplays. It was after being told to tone down his stories due to resource constraints. We've all been there, right? We've all been told, oh, well, the money here, the money there, or just resources, people, stuff. Well, he was told to tone it down. He realized that his imagination has no boundaries. So from there, he switched and became a novelist. Harrison continues to practice his craft in his hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, where he enjoys movies, books, skateboarding with his wife and two children. So Harrison, I think that's fantastic. You were like, okay, well, you want me to tone down? Well, how about I just have these wonderful novels and we're just going to take that cover and and spice (laughs) it up to the fact where everyone's going to be like, okay, well, um, now we want the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, where do you get these ideas? I was totally fascinated. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. You know, I think when you are first sitting down writing, you start with um, it kind of has to come through organically and it kind of has to come from a place of, you know, a little grain that becomes basically this big idea. Um, So this book essentially started from a script that someone asked me to write back in college. and the 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 topic of the story was just a uh, a heist gone wrong robbing a bank or something like that and 
I built that from this story, um, this this that something was going to get robbed. Just that I wanted to be bigger than just a bank or you know you know guys with a whole bunch of money keep running or running down the street. I wanted it to be something that of major importance that if it was to be taken, the the fate of the world would be at risk. Mm. Like. If that doesn't just kick you in the kneecaps, I don't know what is, you know, like, like rob a bank, but the fate of the whole entire world is at risk because of it. Right. Exactly. Like, how do you intertwine that? Yeah. So, you know, the, what, what you think of something that, you know, is dangerous for starters. Yeah. And I think, you know, you think of something that, that someone hasn't done before. You know, you've you've seen the stories about people, you know, doing the new a nuke has been stolen or a, a deadly virus has been stolen. And we've seen that. So you kind of need to play more on your imagination to think of something more sinister, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, the, the, the audience is a very, very uh, intelligent audience you're dealing with and they they've seen it all. And, you know, if they see something, the redundancy won't catch the reader's eye. So you want to come up with something that's going to be different and that's going to be mysterious. And in this book's case, the mysterious weapon is called the blackout. Mm. Yeah, Blackout. Very intriguing. And especially because of the cover. Like you see this eye on the cover and you see this, I don't know if it's hair or fur, but it's like... I want to know what this thing is that is wreaking havoc, right? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Right. So when you were writing screenplays, what was what was the genre of screenplays that you were writing back in the days that you were writing those screenplays? So for the most part, it was action sequence thrillers, um, <laughs> basically writing the short stories about um, martial artists, about um, uh, secret agents, about uh, crooks, that sort of thing, you know, and trying to have that mindset of, you know, there's, we don't have a lot of money. So, you know, you'd have one guy with a gun and <laughs> everyone else wouldn't have a gun, but they all robbed the bank together. So those constraints can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah. That thought process. Absolutely. Have you, you said you were writing the script to this book, but it wasn't for this book. It was just a script that someone wanted you to write in college. So is that what you went to college for? No, no, not at all. I actually, I went to college to study medicine. Oh, wow. That's a big plot twist right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So was that something that you wanted to do, study medicine? Or was it kind of like, I, I know, you know, my... I was talking to um, a 17 year old girl um, just a minute ago who is an author and her parents support her, but a lot of parents don't mm -hmm. I'm not saying that yours did or didn't, but you mm -hmm. know, a lot of people say get a real job. Right. And they say, you know, you have this creative thing that you want to do, but yet you have to do something else. For me, it was military, right? I went in the military. Right. I didn't publish my first book until 40 because right. creative isn't paying. So right. did you, go towards another path like medicine because it was something that was more steady and stable or and then yeah. do creative later 
Yeah. So the, the funny thing is I always wanted to be a doctor ever <laughs> since I was a child, but I've always been a writer and I've always been an artist, but I didn't know that I didn't. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I would write stories. I loved writing stories. I loved English class. Um, I love music to this day, but my mindset was about being a physician. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I finished that dream that I realized something was missing in my life. And I needed to fulfill both sides. And for the longest time, and the funny thing is it had nothing to do with my parents. You know, yeah. my parents did not tell me at any point in time, look, we don't want you to do this. We need you to get a quote unquote real job. It was me saying, look, you're in medical school. You don't have time to write. You're a resident. You don't have time to write. You're a physician. You don't have time to write. And something was missing. And I said, you know what? We're going to make that time to write. And I've never looked back. And I'm very happy with that decision. Wow. So you went all the way through medical school and became a doctor. Yes. Yep. Jiminy Christmas, like all of us wish we were one or the other and you became both. Yes. <laughs> like I can't even. No, that's fantastic because most people's brains work on one side or the other, but your brain works on both, which creates this dynamic when writing to be able to do a lot of things that some people may not be able to. Now, when you were writing this book, did you pull on that side of the brain? Did you do you think, or just the creative side? Oh, absolutely. So, if a lot of, there's a it's a it's a techno thriller. There's okay. a lot of science involved in it. Oh, nice. chemistry, um, physics, that sort of thing. Um, really cool quote from Albert Einstein: um, "Creativity, knowledge without creativity is nothing." And mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that. And I kind of took that quote and it kind of guided me to how to write these gadgets and these these uh, pieces of technology in the work and make it, you know, still seem cool. But at the same time, if a chemistry guy was was looking at it or a physics guy was looking at it, they wouldn't kind of roll their eyes. Now, true, there's it's science fiction. So there's going to be a yeah. little bit there. Yeah. At least for the most part, no one will be like, oh, my gosh, this this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, so you made it for novices like me that don't understand the big chemistry stuff, but knows enough to understand if it's real or not in a book or right. believable enough, all the way to an MD or a physicist reading it would know that you know what you're talking about, exactly. or at least did the minute detail research if you didn't already right that like i now i really need this on my shelf (laughs) like that's interesting because when you made the decision to write your book did you ever look back and wonder if anyone within the the medical world would question you for going down this path? Oh, absolutely. I had some uh, concerns uh, moving forward um, just because I didn't want my medical uh, career to interact. And I was very concerned about 
being a writer and putting out books and and having that part of my life shown because you know people think that you know you're spending your time writing and you're not seeing patients or taking care of patients which is completely not true i don't want anyone to get that misconception you know we i i spend my time writing after i take care of my patients and after i do research on my patients and that sort of thing um what you realize becoming a writer which is I had to wrap my head around a bit is that the your you being the writer is just as important as the book itself people want to know just as much about the writer as they do about the book and i had to wrap my head around that i had to really accept that and also accept the fact that being a physician is a part of who i am and i should be very proud of that so i'm, I'm learning to accept that and being able to tell people that yeah I- I think it's hard because when, you know, I'm not saying that you're in the same age group as I am. You look a lot younger than, than I do, but thinking of the world that we grew up when we were reading books, you know, we don't know those authors. We know nothing about their lives. They were just these people and you would read a bio on the back of the book. You couldn't even find a website other than their publisher's website. You knew nothing about them. But we live in a world now where people want details. They want to get into your life to a certain degree and connect. They want to connect with you, whether you're self-published or traditionally published. So I think being open to a certain extent right now you don't have to share like your kids and your your spouse and all that other stuff um but to a certain degree when people connect with you they connect with your books a little bit more so i commend you for being able to open up that side of you it's definitely not easy uh, but when you are able to connect those pieces like when when you told me the physician side plus the writing side i think that I mean, I already wanted the the book on my shelf because of the cover itself. I mean, I don't know who what that eye is looking at me, but all I know is I'm like, I'm gonna find out what's inside here. But then when I when I talked to you a little bit more, I was like, now there's no way it's not gonna be on my shelf. Like if I have to walk to the store and get it myself, it's happening. But it's fascinating. So how long did it take you to write that book? Is it something that took you longer, do you think, than than other authors? Or was it something that just poured out of you? Um, I actually sat down to write this book my third year in training. So, and I'm about a little bit less than three years out. So it took me about five, six years to write. And that's because, you know, when you're in training, it's, you know, it's 24-7, so I had to chip away time on vacation and that sort of thing. And then when I finished up, I had a little bit more time. Um, hopefully the next book will take a lot less time, which it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already working on the next one? Yes, I am. Golly, I can't imagine. So can you give us a little more insight inside those pages? I mean, we're all going to go read it, but can you give us a little more? We know there's a robbery. We know the world is depending on, or the world is at stake here, but is there any more insight that we can have just to intrigue some more of the readers? Yeah. So this book, it's like I said, it's a techno um, action thriller. 
it um, is about two secret agents um, named Shepard and Graham. They work for this covert organization called 7721. And this organization decides to shoot them down and leave them for dead. Um, they survive the, the, uh, the uh, attempt on their lives and they decide to go get their payback against 7721 by stealing this very secretive but very dangerous weapon called the blackout. And this is what then causes 7721 to send super soldiers after them, known as wolves, in addition to um, uh, um, these uh, dangerous uh, representatives of a corrupt world bank. And you have ex-husbands and ex-wives and you have ex-boyfriends and girlfriends. So just a melting pot of dangerousness, so to speak, that you uh, don't want to miss. <laughs> There's a lot of drama. Yes, most definitely. Man, enough to keep you entertained from the front to the back cover. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I believe in is um, genre fluidity. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, no piece of work is created in a bubble. You know, when you look at a Western, a Western is going to have a little bit of drama, a little bit of action, a little bit of romance. Even when you look at a romance, it's going to have a little bit of action and suspense. It can be a little bit thrilling. I feel like what we do in society a lot of times is label our, our, our art. And I don't feel like we should do that. I feel that the best work comes from an amalgam of all the different genres kind of put together. And the best works to me is like, you know, I know it's a thriller, but it has a little bit of everything in there that I enjoy. Yeah. And that's what I try to do as a writer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that fitting inside, you can fit inside a bubble, but if you're only in here, right. you miss so many other things. I think that you have to be able to explore as an artist. And when you explore, you just hit the tip of these great possibilities. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So what's your favorite part of writing? So I love the process. I love the day-to-day -day grind. I love the fact that when I when I set a goal of okay, we're gonna knock out seven pages, and it seems so it seems insurmountable because you're looking at blank space, and then when you finish with that goal, you got seven pages of two scenes from a story, and you're you're happy with it. I think that's very rewarding for me. Yeah. Now I always have to ask people this because I just need verification that I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Do you talk to your characters all the time? Okay, <laughs> I'm not nuts. I don't need. And a physician is saying that. <laughs> but like, and sometimes they they switch up the entire storyline and then they blow your mind, right? Yes. Yes. Did you have moments where your mind was blown during this story? You know what? The second, no, no, the third draft, uh -huh. I looked at this and I said, okay, this is good. This is good. Okay. Did I really write this? Like, like you have those moments as a writer. Um, I definitely had those moments doing, uh, doing uh, writing this book and, mm -hmm. and it's, that's rewarding as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you're like, no, you didn't. Oh, my <laughs> God, you did. You did. Why did you do me like that? <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, what did it feel like when you held the book? Are you holding the book right now? I am. I have let, it. Let us see that cover that is going to be on my shelf. Because, like, <laughs> and then the title, Those Who Hunt Wolves, and then the book. Yeah. So when you when you saw it for the first time and held it in your hands, what was that feeling like? I was very excited. I, I looked at the book and I said, man, yep, we, we, we did that. And this is, this is something I need to enjoy and I need to share it. And I celebrated it in the moment. And then I put the book up. I said, okay, let's do the next uh, novel. <laughs> you was just, you, man, that, that, I couldn't do that. Like I take a few <laughs> moments and I, and I have like, I have a brief moment of sadness because it's like the characters are gone. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, unless I'm doing yeah. a series, but I never work on the series right away because then I, it's like that one, it, even though I'm doing a series, it's mm -hmm. like, I feel like they're gone for a while and I'm sad. Right. right. Did you feel sad? Like that, that, that was over. Not really. Um, because I guess for me, I could always pick it up and read it again if I wanted to do that. And then, you know, for this book, spoiler, I'm definitely going to do a series out of this. Um, so okay. I'll see these characters again. Sweet. Now, will you be taking them to the screen, do you think? Is it something that you, you can see on the screen one day? So absolutely. I, I My first love was, of course, movies and cinema. Mm -hmm. It definitely paid my way into wanting to be a writer. Um, I would love to see this on the big screen someday. And as, as a writer, the way I write and the way I've developed my style as a writer is to try to give the reader an experience as if they're in a movie theater. I want them to sit down and be like, okay, this feels like a movie I'm reading. Yeah. So I would love, I'd love to see it on the big screen if there's, if there's ever an opportunity. Well, then when you see it on the big screen and because of all the you know stuff that you've told me about the book, which I'll you know definitely see when I read it, mm -hmm. um, then it's going to have a it's going to have to have a lofty budget. Right. Because all thrillers and action adventure is then you can definitely say now tell me to tone down my budget. <laughs> it's making a lot of money. You're going to wish you never told me to tone down my budget back then. So <laughs> it just comes full fold. You know, right. when, when, when you have something great inside of you and somebody tries to squelch it down, mm -hmm. they can't. Right. You know, and that, that's the beauty of art. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, the the process to me, um, I I feel like we live in this capitalist society where the focus is on success is on the basis of money, and so what ends up happening is that you gauge your work on you know how much is made, how many movie deals you've made, and that sort of thing. But you know the process of being an artist, to me at least. It has nothing to do with uh, success or fame, although, you know, people do strive for that. It's about having this, you know, God-given talent and being able to share it with the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
that proverbial thumb no longer holds you down. You right. create your own success by allowing what you hold inside of you to be seen. Right. And that's the beauty of art Absolutely. because it cannot be stopped. Yeah. Definitely. Such a fascinating concept. And I think that more people should think that way because when they do, they gain their own freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Very eloquently put, by the way. Well, thank you. Every yeah. once in a while, I try. <laughs> and then I make a joke because, you know, I, I, I love to pretend that I'm funny, at least. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, obviously, I mean, I could never have done what you do once I one, I could not have been I could not have went to medical school. I would have tried to be funny too much and got kicked out. <laughs> and and my brain just doesn't work that way. I'm I'm severely squirrel brained and I go down too many different loops. I would have forgot a patient somewhere and, and literally been in jail probably. <laughs> but through all of the things that you went through, you know, going to medical school, writing your novel and doing screenplays and stuff, you have a wealth of knowledge and you know what it takes to be dedicated, obviously, because I, I think going through medical school is probably one of the hardest things a human being can do because that, I mean, that's affecting someone's life. Yeah. What would be advice that you could give to another human that wants to write a book that wants to break through um, and no longer wants that proverbial thumb holding them back? Right. Simple. I'd say go for it. The bottom line is, is that, you know, we're all put on this earth to live our lives and to live it to the fullest. And if you have a talent, if you have something in your heart that you want to share with the world that you want to expose, you know, that's something that you shouldn't take lightly. And you should definitely go for it because, you know, at, at the end of the day, once you realize you have that ability, the world is yours and no one can take that away from you. That's so true. Yeah. You have to go for what you want, not yep. what other people tell you you should go for. Absolutely. Where, um, what's your newest project that you're currently working on? So I am working on a story about superheroes and villains from the point of view of the henchmen. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We need that. There's, there's always two sides, usually three, to every story. And um, we always hear about the superheroes, but we never hear about the other side. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. I like that. When, when is that one coming out? I don't know. Hopefully next year. That's the goal. The goal yeah. is next year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And where can people grab that book that you're currently holding in your hand? So... You can grab this guy at um, Amazon.com. You can grab it on Ingram Sparks as well. Um, you can uh, check it also out at MetalRoosterPublishingHouse.com. Okay. MetalRoosterPublishingHouse.com. Yep. Yep. We put those in the comments as well. So if anybody, um, excuse me, wants to click that's watching on YouTube or on Facebook can click. And then later on in the week when we get it up on all the podcasting platforms, those who are listening can write it down. So Harrison, I've had a great time talking to you. Such insightful information. And um, that book will be on my shelf. 
I have. I, to. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I I don't want to give it the ojo like we were saying, so I have to touch it. Yeah, because I've been crushing on it because it's like like this super cool design, and that eye's been looking at me, and I can't let that eye give me the ojo either. So I'm gonna have to have it on my shelf. So. Um, any last words that you want to share with your audience and your readers before we head out for the day and you enjoy your time there on the, you're on the West coast, right? East. You're on the East coast. Oh my goodness. I thought you were on the West coast. Okay. I'm, I'm in central. I'm in Texas. Uh, okay. That's probably why my uh, personality is the way it is. <laughs> so yeah. Any last words before we head out for the day and enjoy our weekends with our families? Um, I would just say, you know, uh, enjoy life, enjoy your families. You know, life is a beautiful thing and follow your passions. Amen. Great words. And I'm, I'm so glad that you did because I think that you bring a wonderful perspective into the author and world. Thank you so much for being here today, Harrison. I know this won't be our last time that we talk. Um, guys, don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or the podcast right here on Facebook. You can ask Siri or Alexa to play our latest episode head to our website, catch the latest issue of the Author Sports Magazine. We have a new one coming out April 4th. We want to continue making authors' dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine. We'll see you guys next time. And if you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends Brendan and Bomzi at mastertalk.ca, where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. Don't forget, stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin. The best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. That's at thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ. This is Harrison. Go read his book. And right on, everybody. Bye, Harrison. Bye, everybody. See Thank you later. So much. Bye. Thank you for having me. The Author's Court is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.